Good morning, Four Points. It's good to see you. You know, it's so hard to go a whole week without seeing my family here at church. You know, the youth get together on Wednesday nights, and, you know, there are different meetings throughout the week, but I, guys, I just really look forward to Sundays <laughs> when I get to see you and we get to be here together. So welcome to Four Points. Welcome to our living room. This is our home, and if this is your first time here, we're just really, really glad that you're here, and we hope that you stay. So this morning, we are in a series called You Belong Here. And last week, we talked about how we belong with Jesus. And we talked about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, and how a relationship with him is the starting point to belonging anywhere. We talked about our desire as humans to, to belong with people. And we talked about how four out of five of us are experiencing loneliness today. Because we're not connected with the people around us, not in a meaningful way. We talked about how there's two primary places where we usually try to connect in relationships, and that's with our family and our friends, right? But we also talked about how some of us don't have great family relationships, and that's not a place where we necessarily automatically belong. And we talked about friendships, how it's easier for some people than others. We don't all connect the same way in friendships. We talked about how the church is one of the places, uh, I would say the primary place that God designed for us to connect in relationships, but it all starts with connecting with Jesus. That's where it starts. So today I want to talk about belonging again, but I want to talk about what it means to belong in community. Belonging in community. So when you speak of community, by community what I mean is, is relationships that you have, you know, with more than one person, a group of people that you identify with, you have relationships with, meaningful relationships with, community. Okay, so there are three places that most people find community, okay, where most people live the majority of their lives, home. Home is a place where we belong. Home is a place where we find community with our family, right? Many of us would say that's like the most important community I have in my life, right? Um, with people, I would say that's true of me. So, so home. Number two, work, <laughs> right? We spend sometimes more time at work than we spend at home, right? If you don't count sleeping, um, we spend more time at work sometimes, but we can have community at work. Anybody else watch The Office? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but that's like my favorite show ever. You can have community at work if, you know, you have some people at work that you like to be around. For those of you who are in school, school is that place. You're not at work maybe yet, or you work part-time. You know, I worked part-time at Hardee's. I think I ate more fries than I like sold to people. Like every time I walked by, I just got a little bit. But school can be that place, you know, uh, where we find community. But everyone has a third place. You have your home where you live. You have your work or your school. But the, a third place. And here's what a third place is. A third place can be a sports team. Anybody ever go to Tiger River Park? It, you know, it seems like a lot of people go to Tiger River Park. <laughs> it's a big park. But there's a lot of people there. Have you ever noticed how many people are there? 
I mean, sure, they're there to play, you know, baseball or watch baseball or, you know, to take their kids to play on all of that equipment or if you're a nerd like me to play frisbee golf. Uh, people, <laughs> people are there to do those things, but really it's about community. Really, Tiger River Park is a place where people connect. Right? Whenever I'm there, even if my kids are just running around and I'm saying, don't play in the sandbox, we got to get back in the van, you know? I look over and there's like moms and dads sitting around the tables talking with each other. They, they meet up with someone else to go there and hang out. Or you're on the bleachers watching a game and you're talking to other parents next to you or other people next to you. You have a community there at Tiger River Park. Tiger River Park is a third place. Here's another third place, a bar. A lot of people go to a bar after work because that's their third place. That's where they identify. That's where someone listens to them talk about their day. That's the place they go to for relationships. It could be the gym. The gym's not my place, <laughs> right? But the gym might be your place or a workout class or your you know, Pilates class. My wife used to try to get me to go to Pilates with her all the time. I was like, baby, people don't want to see that much crack. Like they, they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't come to Pilates to have to watch me do Pilates, okay? <laughs> but you can find community there. You know where a lot of people have their third place? On the internet. 80% of internet users are connected with an online community. They're not just there to browse and look at different stuff. They're on there. They have a specific group of people that they're communicating with on a regular basis. 80% of internet users are connected that way. For teenagers, video games. <laughs> I sit back sometimes and watch my kids play. They like to play NBA 2K19. Um, because both of my boys love basketball. But I sat back on the couch one day and I was watching them play this game. And I'm like, man, you like design your body. <laughs> like you pick what color your skin is, what color your hair is. Like in this game, you play basketball, but you actually live in this city and you can go to a clothing store and a shoe store. And, and, and your, your little avatar, your little person you created is walking around. And there's other little people walking around who are other real kids or real people playing this game, except in this game, you've got money for the coolest shoes. In this game, you have a loft apartment. In this game, you work out at the coolest gym. You have the coolest body, and you're an NBA star. And I sat back, and I just quietly thought to myself, I know why people play this game. I get it. I understand why this is... A, I want to say multi-million dollar, I'm assuming billion dollar, I don't know, but a lot of people play. You have like another life. You can be who you want. You can accomplish things you don't think you could ever really accomplish. So a lot of people are finding their third place on the internet or in a video game and not, not with real people. These are all third place communities. So I want to look at a passage of scripture that I think says something to us about a third place community. But before I do, I want to remind you of something we talked about my very first week here, and that's this. God gave you an imagination. So as we read this passage of scripture, what I want you to do is I want you to place yourself in the story. 
I want you just to imagine that you were there. What we're going to do is we're going to look into like the very first church ever to see what community looked like for them. Right? Like if you really think about that beyond like, oh, we're about to read some scripture, blah, 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 blah. Like if you really think about it, you've got questions, right? Like what was church like for them? Did they sing songs? Where did they meet? Did they have church logos, like the really cool Four Points Church logo that Austin has tattooed on his back? (laughs) We're never changing the logo. (laughs) Even though Austin says he'll just get another one if we do. So that's buy-in, guys. Let me just tell you. Um, did Did they have logos? What was it like? Was it like we, we have church now? You know, the church, on a side note, the church did have a symbol that they all used. Do you know what it was? An anchor. So every sailor has a Christian tattoo. <laughs> an anchor. No, it was an anchor, man. The theme, one of the themes that the earliest church in the very first century would talk about was Jesus being the anchor for the soul. That he, he'd hold you secure in the midst of the storm, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But that was one of their symbols. They did go to church. They didn't have their own church buildings. In the first century, they would meet at a different time in a synagogue. They would go to the place that they went before. They were Christians. They would go to the synagogue at a different time and they would meet there. Another place they would often meet is along rivers. These are like natural places for the church to meet. And when Paul would go to a new city, That's why he always showed up at a synagogue or by the river, because he knew one of those two places was where he was going to find Christians. So I want you just to imagine yourself a part of the very first church that ever existed. And let's read from Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. This is a passage I referenced a couple of weeks ago, but we're going to dig a little deeper today. Acts 4 verse 32 says this, all the believers, that means followers of Jesus, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify or teach to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. And there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, which means, you know, not like a set appointed time, but it was kind of like their habit, like this this happened continually and all the time. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. So they brought it to the church for the church to use it, right? Where there was a need that the church knew about. And, And there it was. And they distributed to anyone who had need. So I didn't even need to explain that. See, like the Bible already, already did that. So this is like a glimpse into the very first church ever. And I want to run through some things that we can identify from the first church ever. And as I do that, I want to tell you something. I always have two goals in preaching. You want to know what they are? Number one, I want you to leave inspired from the word of God so that you want to go live for Jesus every week. I want to be inspired. I do leave inspired. Secondly, I want to teach the Bible because my prayer is that every one of us, we leave on Sunday, we're, we're better interpreters of the Bible than we were the week before. 
Like when we go home and we read it ourselves, we better understand how to do that. And we grow in that and we understand it because the word of God is what we got, guys. So let's dig into this passage a little bit. Here's some things about the first Christians. They shared a real passion for Jesus. They were on, you know, we say on fire for Jesus. These, these folks were so in love with Jesus that they were not fighting about the small stuff. The scripture says they were of one heart and one mind, meaning that like their hearts were all in agreement and their minds were in agreement. It was like the many had one heart together and the many had one mind together. They were so focused on Jesus, so focused on the mission, guys, that they weren't sweating the small stuff. They weren't fighting about which worship songs. Was there a smoke machine? Um, does that person have purple hair? Uh, are tattoos right or wrong? Um, uh, you know, is predestination true or false? Like they weren't fighting about this stuff. They were dialed into the grace of God and they were just really excited to be with each other. They understood what it meant to show grace. The grace of God was powerfully at work among them. You know, we don't think of grace as like a powerful thing, do we? We tend to think of grace, which is like favor, forgiveness, right? As like a passive thing. What does it mean for the grace of God to be powerfully at work among them? It means this, guys. These folks had like such a deep and meaningful understanding of what it meant to be accepted by and forgiven by God, that they lived that out in a powerful way with the people around them. They understood what it meant to be accepted by Jesus and they, and they loved and accepted other people. And when they saw people, they didn't see with their own eyes. They saw people the way Jesus sees them. There is a difference. Guys, we all like to play the judge. We all like to be the one who knows how it ought to be. Right? But when we're enraptured with love for Jesus, we just don't pay attention to a lot of that stuff. We pay attention to God's word. I'm not saying making compromises. I'm talking about seeing people with the love of Jesus. They were experiencing, because of this grace working powerfully, they were experiencing revival. Have you ever heard of revival? Have you ever been a part of revival? Guys, sometimes we sit around and we pray for revival and we wait for revival as if it's all in God's hands. And if we ask enough, maybe he'll throw us a treat. Right, like maybe we'll get some revival. If we show God we want it and we really, 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 really mean it. Right? Guys, this will change your life if you will internalize what I'm about to say to you. Revival is entirely in your hands. You're not waiting on God. You're never waiting on him to do a good thing. He's waiting on you. He's waiting for the grace of God to be at work powerfully in your midst. What does that mean? Listen, when you and I 
are spiritually honest, revival happens. When you and I are spiritually honest and we confess the sins and the things that the Holy Spirit points out to us, we will have revival. With spiritual humility and repentance, revival will always come. Even if it, even if, even if it just comes in you. Even if nobody else in the church gets it, you can have revival. But what happens is when you experience revival because you're experiencing spiritual honesty and confession and God is at work in you and his love is gonna overpower you. His grace is gonna move powerfully. It's contagious. The person next to you begins to, to feel the same way, to respond to the conviction and it spreads. And this is when we see church revival. It can happen in a moment and it can take years. And then churches experience revival and other churches are like, what's going on over there? And the Holy Spirit says, I'll tell you what's going on over there. And they start responding to the conviction in their hearts. And the revival spreads. It's in our hands. Will you experience revival today? It's up to you. 100%. Up to you and me. Whether we're going to experience revival today. It just takes humility Spiritual honesty and confession. That's what God wants from us. In the early church, the very first church was experiencing that and we see it reflected in the way they treated one another. They were doing life together, right? It wasn't like, hey, so-and-so, you know, um, you know, is experiencing, you know, a death in their family, you know, everybody make a casserole. Like, this is great, <laughs> I love casseroles. I eat a casserole any day of the week. But listen, like they were constantly prepared. It's like their freezer was already full of casseroles at all times. They were ready to roll. From time to time, people who were benefactors, okay? This is a society where you had people who were very poor. Most people lived in a mud brick house with the sheep in the same floor as they sleeping. Just over a little ways. This is how most Jewish people lived in this time period. And then that you could climb up on the roof with a ladder and you could take a bath up there. Like these houses were small. And then you had the benefactors, the people who had more means. They owned more land. They, they, they had more going on. Well, th these were the ones, guys, who were like selling land and property and bringing it to the apostles' feet. You know, they were being, you know, Abraham's, they were being Boaz's. They were, they were thinking to themselves, look, God has provided for me. I want to make sure everyone is provided for. They're like, here, here's, you know, here's what's not going on. People necessarily coming up all the time and asking for help. Some people are going to ask for help who really don't need it. They need to help themselves, okay? And we have to discern that. The Bible is very clear. You need to work. <laughs> you need to. Um, but at the same time, there are people who have real needs and, and they, they weren't just waiting for someone to come to them. They were looking for where the need was so they could meet it. And there's a difference. This is what it means to do life together. If you and I are doing life together, you're not going to have to come to me and tell me when something's up. I'm going to know it. I'm going to see it. And I'm not just talking about financial need. I'm talking about like you're grieving, you're depressed, you're anxious. Something's up. 
Something's going on under the surface. If we're doing life together, I can see that. They were doing life together and they were always making sure they were ready to meet a need. Let's look at another passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says this, Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one, we've corrupted no one, we've exploited no one. I do not say this to condemn you. I've said before that you, he's talking to this church now, you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. I have spoken to you with great frankness. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. For when I came into Macedonia, we had no rest. We were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. Looks like Paul had some anxiety. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever before. Guys, these folks in the early church, they really cared about each other. Like Paul gives us this situation where he, he came into Macedonia and, and, and I don't know exactly what was going on, but he was going through a tough time. People were harassing him and it was becoming internalized, Right? Because harassment outside was, had turned to fears within. Have you ever been in that kind of place? I have. But Paul was comforted by the love. It's like he came to Macedonia. He was comforted. He, Titus was sent to him. And Titus came around, wrapped his arms around him, right? And how is it that Titus wrapped his arms around Paul? How was Titus able to comfort Paul? Because he had been comforted by the church in Corinth. There's this culture of comfort, this culture of going around, this culture of really caring about each other. And what was the result? Like unabounding joy. Don't you feel better when people are walking through something with you? <laughs> Even if they don't say anything, guys, listen, when I go to the hospital for folks who've and it's a really tough situation. You know what I mean. All situations are tough in the hospital, but some are very, very tough. Right? Sometimes I won't say anything. I'll just bring a basket of cookies and coffee, and I'll just sit down next to you, and I will just be there. Right? You tell me what you need. I'm not going to be the talking head who presumes to know everything you need to know. Right? You probably already know what I'm going to say. And you've been telling people all day long how you feel and how things are going. You don't need me to ask you that. But you do need someone to come wrap their arms around you. Anybody seen the movie Breakthrough? Guys, I'm telling you. <laughs> I saw it last night with my family. It's a Christian movie with a lot of very famous actors in it. I don't know what that says about them, you know, whether they're Christians or not. But the movie is incredible. And it's all about a community a faith that comes around someone. I really encourage you to go check it out and they're not paying me anything to say that. <laughs> Here's the last thing that we know about them. They had a sense of belonging that brought them joy. 
Good community, good relationships provides good soil for real joy to grow. And they were walking in that. Sure, trials came, but they knew they wouldn't be alone no matter what they faced. How many of you would say you're facing a trial of some kind today? Something in your life is testing you. Something in your life is difficult. How many of you would say, I've, at times in my life, I felt alone? Right? I'm, I want you to say this with me. We need each other. Say that with me. We need each other. We need each other. Here's what we need. We need to be around people who are passionate about Jesus. Just like the first century church. We need to be around other people who are passionate about their relationship with Jesus. I saw this Facebook post a few weeks ago and it had like this wolf pack on. I don't know if anybody else saw this. I don't know which one of my friends posted it. But it was talking about like how when wolves walk in a pack, you know, in the very front are the oldest, weakest wolves. In the middle are like the girls and the, young, and the weakest interspersed with a few of the strong ones, but the strongest ones are in the back. And as they're walking down a path or walking, you know, in a direction, the strongest ones in the back are able to see everything that's going on in front of them so that they can respond in a minute. Isn't it cool that God put that in animals? And, and, we, and we can learn from it. Wolves know how to have a community. They know that there's safety in numbers. There's safety in numbers for encouragement you know, one of the coolest things, there's this conference called Passion Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. I used to be a college pastor. Every year took a bunch of college students up there. It was so much fun because you know what's great about being a college pastor? You get to have all the fun and you don't need to babysit anyone. <laughs> I'm like, I'll see y'all at the end of the weekend. Call me if you need anything. But to be in, a, to be in, in the dome in Atlanta with 50,000 other Christian college students... I mean, there's just an energy. It's like, wow, I'm not alone in the world. <laughs> like, look at all these other people like me. So our hearts are encouraged when we come to church and we're around other people who are believers. There's strength in numbers there for our spiritual growth. Being around other Christians who are passionate about Jesus is good for us because we learn more about Jesus from each other. We don't all have the same experiences. We learn from seeing how you respond to things in your life or when we sit down to get coffee and you tell me what you've been reading in the word or what you've heard in a sermon. Like I get to glean from that. I get spiritual growth from that, but also for spiritual protection. How many of you know the world is tough? How many of you know the world is tough on faith? How many know the world is tough on Christians? Do you know that statistically speaking, Christians are the number one most persecuted group of people in the world. There are more Christians being killed on a daily basis than any other people of any other people group for any other reason. We don't read that in the news, do we? Are we being persecuted in our own country? You bet we are. And it could get worse, guys. Here's the kind of theology we like. Theology, by the way, means the study of God, okay? Here's the theology um, that we like. We like the theology that Jesus sacrificed for us. We don't like the theology that we may have to sacrifice for him. That's not quite as popular. 
Listen to Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. It's in the New Living Translation. I like the way the New Living Translation put this. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. <laughs> what? Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Jesus told us to expect persecution. He told us to expect it. And there's strength in numbers. Being around people who are passionate about Jesus. You know, thousands of Nigerian Christians are being slaughtered right now. Guys, when we, when we have each other, we can come around one another. We can exhort, encourage, walk through life with each other and stand with each other. It's so much better to stand together. We need to be around people who show us grace. This is another thing we really need in our third place that a lot of people get in their third place. They show up at the bar. There's no one there who's gonna judge or talk down to them. Just listen, just be there, be a friend maybe. The truth is we all need grace. Some of us hide our problems better than other people, but we all need grace. Let me tell you a story that could be very embarrassing. Don't hold it against me. When I first moved here, <laughs> I went to Lowe's. Lowe's can be very frustrating sometimes um, with people who don't, yeah, I won't go down that road. Um, Lowe's can be frustrating sometimes, like any store uh, can be frustrating. And I was waiting for someone to come and help me. And it seemed like that person was just going everywhere, but to me, right? And they went over to this other family and they were talking to them. And when there was a break, I walked over and I said, excuse me, but I've been waiting for like 20 minutes for someone to come help me with this thing. And um, he was like, oh, okay, I'm really sorry. These people were here before you. And I said, well, that, that's probably the case. But I mean, just, you know. And then I, I walked over to where I was. When he finished, those people walked over and they said, hi, we're so-and-so from church. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I want to introduce you to my parents. They're from out of town, right? Oh, hi, nice to meet you, you know. Man, I was so embarrassed. But you know what? Even after all of that, you know, I serve on a, on a committee at the convention with one of, uh, with the parent that was there, and they're still friends of ours because there's grace. Guys, we need a place where we can make mistakes. We need a place where we can mess up. Listen, at Four Points Church, there's no one here just waiting to find something wrong with you. The other shoe is going to drop for every one of us. We're not looking for it, and we don't care. I'm here for you. You're here for me, right? This is what community is. We need people to show us grace. Now, that doesn't mean that people don't ever tell us something we don't want to hear. Sometimes we need to hear something we don't want to hear. I was walking down the street a couple years ago, and I saw this guy walking, and he had this shirt on that said, only God can judge me. Have you ever seen this or heard someone say it? Like, only God, you know what I mean? Only God can judge me. I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> You mean you want God to judge you? Are, are you trying to communicate with your shirt that you want to la, la, la when everyone else is trying to tell you the right thing to do and you want to wait till you're standing before God? Don't be a fool. 
Don't be a fool. <laughs> Trust me, you'd rather be warned. You'd rather be warned than walk before God with unconfessed sin that you justified and refused to listen to other people about. Right? So part of, part of showing grace is, is graciously speaking truth to one another. But here's the difference out of love, out of a recognition that I'm a sinner too. Anytime I come to you and say, look, man, you know, you probably shouldn't, you know, drive down the road flipping off all of Woodruff, you know. Um, I recognize that when I'm telling you that, that I am also a sinner and that any moment you may need to come to me. In fact, here's an invitation, guys. You see something going on in my life you feel like is sinful and dangerous for my spiritual health? I want you to come to me, your pastor, and tell me. I don't want to wait to stand before God to find out about my blind spots. We need to do life with people. Guys, you need someone in your life who really knows you. Someone who knows your junk. And you know theirs. People you can trust to know your junk. People who trust you <laughs> to know theirs. People you can let your guard down with. Don't, sometimes don't you just feel like you live your life just like careful, 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 careful. Like who's going to judge me? When you, when you go to, listen, when you go to work, you can get fired. In your friendships, people decide to not be your friend anymore. But church community is supposed to be different, guys. You're not here to perform. So we all need to just quit it. I don't want to see your performance. You don't want to see mine either. Right? That's not who we want to be. God designed the church to be the best third place anyone can find. But listen, if we don't offer people the community they can get at a bar or at a game at Tiger River Park, we can't expect them to come. If we can't offer people the kind of community they can find at a bar, why would they ever come in here? Just to be preached at? It's important that we, we hear teaching from the word of God, but it's just as important that we experience it being lived out in one another. There's a sense in which we're all the shepherds of this church. We all need to be cared for and have the opportunity to care for someone else. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. I just love it that that's what God is known for. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, we'll be persecuted, right? So also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. Listen, you have difficulties in your life. So do I. We all do. And one of the primary ways that Jesus reveals himself to us is through one another. 
It's one of the primary ways that we see Jesus is in you and me. One of the ways God redeems the hardships we face is by giving us opportunities to help those who are going through a similar struggle. Have you been sick? Have you been abused? Have you been abandoned by a spouse? Are your children going through a tough season that's maybe embarrassing for you? Is your marriage on the rocks? Are you underwater in financial debt? Have you been? Because listen, if you are, there's someone here who's been through it. I know it in every one of these circumstances. And if you've gone through it, are you looking for opportunities for God to use your story to help someone who's in it? Say this with me. We need each other. Say it with me. We need each other. One more time. We need each other. Say this with me. My church is here for me. We are. God wants you to experience the joy of belonging in a real Christian community. Are you hurting today? Friend, we are here for you. Are you tired? Let us carry you. Are you ready to give up on God? Don't be ashamed. Are you ready to give up on God? Pull from the storehouse of our faith. Let us strengthen you to stand. Are you too weak in your faith to stand on your two legs? We'll, we'll pick you up. Because when it's my turn, you'll pick me up, right? The storms of life hit us at different times and in different ways. But in church, we're always ready to give shelter to one another. This is what church community is for. And if you want to seek Jesus alongside of us, we're here to walk alongside you. There are no prerequisites. No membership fees. <laughs> Despite what some people say about church, we don't have any of those. This is not a club. You don't have to have a certain standard of living. You certainly don't have to have a certain race or color or ethnicity. None of that stuff matters here. We celebrate it all. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter what baggage you bring. God designed this community to be your home. Here's the big idea today. We need each other. This is the big takeaway. So how can you and I have Christian community? Number one, be involved in church. Be here on Sundays. I hope that we offer you something better than Tiger River Park or the bar. And if we're not, I hope we grow in that way. But be here. Be here with us. Join a life group. Guys, life groups are where things get real. That's where everything gets broken down in a more intimate level. 
Visit our next steps table before you leave. You can find out where the life groups meet. We want you to go. Serve in your church. Guys, partner with us to accomplish something great. We get to do it together. No one person does this stuff. God does it through us. And we get to be a part of it on a team. And give to your church, guys. Don't let a week go by where you don't tithe. When a week goes by and you don't tithe, that's money that we don't have to give where it's needed. You know, when money's not given, we, we cut budget. We cut back on what we do. We have to. So be generous, guys. Let the church be the conduit through which you give. Right? And we promise to be very, very good stewards, guys. We have to answer to God for it. We take that very seriously. So here's the invitation. Someone today, you need someone to pray with you. Maybe I named a hardship and it dialed into right where you are. And you said, and you, and you said you're right, Holy Spirit. My knees are very weak in that area right now. I need someone to carry me. When the next song begins, I want to invite you to go into our prayer room right here in this room. All you got to do is go over there where that curtain is. And there are people in there to listen to you, to pray with you, to walk alongside you. We've, we've got a teen leader there. So teenagers, you need someone who understands where you are. There's someone there to talk to you and to pray to you. You might be here today and you haven't begun the journey with Christ. This stuff about being in a Christian community, man, it sounds really good, but you don't know what it feels like to have the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You don't know what it feels like to have God's love. And I'm telling you, if you don't, you're missing out. It's the best drug you could ever take, the love of God. And it never wears off. And you don't know how much time you have. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed 10 minutes from now. Don't waste an opportunity. As I pray, I just want to encourage you. If you need prayer, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus, you can do that right here, right now. You can go into our prayer room on your phone. You can just open up your phone. All you have to do is text the word Jesus to us. Right? Jesus. And we'll, we'll, we'll communicate with you. Talk about whether you surrendered your life to Christ today or whether you want to talk about it. Just text us Jesus. <laughs> There's a card in front of you. You can, you can write, I received Christ today. Or you can, you can write on there, I, I want to know more about this. I got more questions. Do it. I'll call you. Okay? If you got questions about coming to know Jesus this week, I'll call you. I'll call you. And we'll talk about it. But go to our prayer room and allow someone to pray for you. Allow someone to carry you. We all need it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the community you've provided to us here at Four Points Church. Thank you for the great work that you're doing. We love you, God. I thank you that we get to be here every week and experience your love and to share your love with others. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name.